Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Man, you may take your seats. God is awesome. Woo! Going a little bit now. <laughs> God is great. Uh, I'm just really thankful. I know that I preach no praise and you guys are singing praise and God is is worthy to be praised, and I, I sense that even in our singing and knowing what I was going to preach for today, uh, that and 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 then coming up, we'll talk about praise, praise as a weapon, or praise can be used as different things. But praise Him in for the battle. Um, it is not by power, by might, but by His Spirit, and He dwells in our praises, and we can win the battle right now if we shout for joy, and those walls will come tumbling down. Um, so we're thankful for that. Uh, the title of the message is Living a Life of Praise and Thanksgiving. And uh, last week and, uh, well, two weeks ago and two weeks before then, we started the series about praise. And last week we just introduced some uh, terms, uh, some Greek words that mean praise. And uh, the foundation was toda, which means um, the sacrifice of praise, bringing sacrifices of praise unto the Lord. Um, and then we talked about Tahila, which means to sing, Shabbat, which is a joyful shout, Hala, which is to praise, uh, which is the root for hallelujah, uh, Yada, which is, means to stand your hands, and Barak, which means to raise your hands, and uh, Zamir, which is praise him on the instruments. And so today we're going to be looking at Psalms 100. Uh, if you can turn there, we're going to stay there. Well, we'll move around a little bit, but uh, we're basically going to be in Psalms 100 for the better part of the message. Uh, but want to encourage you, uh, before we even start the message, just to um, consider how you're using praise as your weapon and consider how you're being thankful day to day. And I challenged you last time uh, to every day think about ways you can be thankful and show praise unto the Lord. So every day. And, and, and prayerfully, that's changing your perspective. Uh, when we don't make it all about us and make it about him. Uh, I pray that it changes your perspective and you you don't see things as a worldly view, but you see things as he sees them. And and you begin to have a heart for people and you begin to pray again for change in your praise to him. He is magnified and your situation doesn't seem as big, but he seems greater. uh, And greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Um, But we're going to start at Psalms 100. It says, make a sorrowful noise. No, it says joyful shout. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was reading a different version. I don't know what that was. Uh, make a joyful shout. That's a Shabbat to the Lord, all you lands. And you're included in that lands. Uh, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. That's Kahila. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. I don't care what science tells you, he made us. Uh, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The thanksgiving was todah, the praise is hala, yada. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. Not was, not will be, but he is. It's a continual thing. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations, and you are included in that all generations. Praise the Lord that his truth still endures. Uh, Today I want to show you 
from Psalms 100 how we can make praise, Toda, Thanksgiving, a way of life. But since Psalms is a poem, uh, we need to do a little bit of work and understand the structure to see the whole part of what we're going to go through today. So here's the structure. You look at Psalms 100, and it has it is in stanzas. So verses 3 and 4 are supporting statements underneath verses 1, 2, I mean, sorry, verses 3 and 5 are supporting statements underneath verses 1, 2, and 4. Uh, verses 3 and 5 are the foundations of truth holding up the commands of the song. So if you look at verses 3 and 5, they are the truth statements to hold up the others. And we can break this down into three different points. Um, so one, to live with thanksgiving or praise, we need truth to support it. Truth is the foundation, is the bottom. You think of it as a pyramid. Uh, truth to support it. Uh, to live a uh, life of thanksgiving, we need feelings on top of that truth. That truth spurs feelings. And then three, to live with thanksgiving, we need actions to complete it. So the actions are going to be the top. So the truth is in verse three and five. The feelings are verse four. The actions are one and two. Um, so there's your pyramid. You have the truth at the bottom, the feelings based off the truth, and then your actions based off your feelings. That make sense? <laughs> so let's start at verse 3. It says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pastor. And then verse 5, these are truth statements. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Truth to support it. Truth. Uh, this post-truth Oxford Dictionary, there's a post-truth, there's a word that's called post-truth. Can you believe that? <laughs> now, Oxford Dictionary, it became popular in 2016 in relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. So objective facts are less influential, but if you appeal to emotion and personal belief, then that becomes people's truth, their emotions and personal belief. It was called called post-truth. So this is past the truth. I don't know what that is. Uh, And it was the word of the year in 2016 around the election. This word called post-truth, it was the word of the year. Um, Post-truth. Let me just make it real clear. We are not a post-truth church. (laughs) We believe that there is truth and the truth is in the word of God. Uh, our feelings will change. We don't make appeals towards your feelings. They're, they're fine, but your feelings will change. Christians don't live a post-truth life. Our feelings don't drive the truth and action. Truth drives feelings and actions. Remember, see that, remember that. Truth drives feelings and actions, not your feelings driving truth and actions. That's a good word right there. I can stop right there. Truth <laughs> drives Feelings and actions. Not your feelings. Not your feelings. A lot of times, especially in this season, we are driven uh, by emotional appeals and to give to different organizations and to do different things, which is great. And I'm not saying that you should not uh, give if you emotionally been moved, but that's not truth. Don't say because you're emotionally moved and everyone should do what you want them to do because that's what you should be doing. No, you're emotionally driven by that. 
and they are people who study us <laughs> based off our phones and what we look at and where we go, and they can appeal to exactly what they think we want. I had, I looked up. Uh, my wife isn't in here. I'm going to buy her. She knows I'm going to buy her a, a desk chair that's heated. And I, I Googled it, looking up uh, desk chairs uh, that were heated because she's always cold. And I said, stop cutting the heat on. Just get your heated blanket. She has all blankets and stuff around her chair. And it still doesn't work. And I said, I'm going to buy you a heated chair for uh, Christmas because she wanted a new desk chair. And so she knows this. So. Uh, but when I Googled it, all the advertisements that come up on my phone now are for desk chairs <laughs> that are heated and massaged and have all these things and you can lay back. And I said, she'll get no work done at home. She'll sit in that chair and just lay back. Uh, I would probably take that chair and lay back, especially if it has massage in it. Um, but, yeah, so they know exactly how to appeal to your very needs or what, we've appeared, what we think are needs and emotions. And so they're appealing to your emotional emotions. Uh, but verse 3 says, know that the Lord, he is God. First it says, know that the Lord. The word indicates certainty. It indicates that you have an intimacy with God and you know that he is God. You know that, um, you know that the prerequisite for knowing the truth is knowing God. Know that the Lord, he is God. There is a word in this psalm that supports all others. It's this word, know. Knowing is a prerequisite for everything else in the psalm. To live with thanksgiving, we need to know the truth to support it. What truth are we to know? That he is God. <laughs> for How do we know this? Well, look at our lives and pray and hope that you know that he is God and look at all the things that he's done in our lives to know that he is God and uh, look at his son Jesus to know that he is God and uh, salvation and the cleansing of our sins and the washing of our sins by his blood we know that he is God only God can do these things uh, what is the truth that truth that he is God first Kings 18 says God was put to the test by the prophets of Baal a pagan God Elijah God's prophet came to the people of Israel and said, how long will you be limping between two different opinions? If Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. How long are you going to, and I pose the question to you, how long are you going to follow between two different opinions, between the opinion of the word of God and the opinion of this world? And then even that truth about yourself, how long are you going to follow the opinion of the world about yourself or the opinion about the word of God about you and who you are. And what is the truth? What the world says or what the word says? And you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to pick and choose what the word says. That's right. We know the answer. But sometimes we are influenced emotionally by what the world says. And we begin to look at that and that becomes appealing. And what they say sounds so strong and supported that we begin to be influenced by that. And we feel like we need to do those things because... That looks like the way to go. But just like in 1 Kings 18, it says, are you going to follow God or follow Baal? And Elijah and the prophets of Baal uh, then have a showdown. All 450 of the prophets of Baal pray and wait for Baal to send fire down upon the altar. Guess what? Nothing happens when they pray to Baal. <laughs> he sends no fire. Then Elijah 
asked for the altar to be flooded with water. He said, I'm going to prove to you today who is God. How many times have you, and I probably never, asked God to make it harder so that uh, his, his grace is magnified even greater in your life? See, your testimony is great. No one does that. No one does. Uh, but that's what happens sometimes. God makes it so difficult that it looks like ashes. And praise is coming from those ashes. And that those ashes are turned into bones. And those bones become flesh. And those flesh become an army of people fighting for you and around you. Isn't it great that our God can do that? So nothing comes with Baal and his uh, prophets. Then Elijah asked the altar to be flooded with water. If the fire comes, it will be a miracle, he says. It will be a miracle if fire is able to burn this up. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and lacked up all the water in the trenches. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So who's God? He is God. He is God. It is he that has made us. Psalms 139 says, uh, for we were formed in, for you were formed in your inward parts. He knitted me together in my mother's womb. He has made us. We are his people. We're not only made, he, had not, he not only made us, but he wants us. We've done everything and we've done enough sinning in our lives to him to be separated from us eternally. But he still calls us and wants us and calls us his people. Isn't that a great God? That he knows the depths of your heart. And if your heart is like my heart, it is evil and it means no good. <laughs> and he yet knows that and he loves me the same. And he wants me in fellowship with him. We are the sheep of his pasture. He's not a beloved but distant father who loves us from a distance. No, he's in the field with us. Think of Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Look, those are things that God is doing in the midst of us. He's not distantly telling other people to do stuff for us. He said, I'm a shepherd. I'm a good shepherd. And I'm there with you. I'm protecting you. I'm loving you. I'm protecting. I'm disciplining you. I'm guiding you. You're not left up to yourselves, but you have me as a good shepherd. And if we stray, he comes looking for us and brings us back with the flock. He is the sheep. We are the sheep of his pasture. He is good. For Lord is good. And I can just leave. We know he's good. <laughs> several verses there I can look at, but I'm not even going to go there. We know that the Lord is good. He's good because he abundantly forgives and his loving kindness and he, his grace and his mercy is so great in our lives. And yet he still, and, and even in all that we do wrong, he still yet gives us breath. He expects us to praise him. His mercy is steadfast, is everlasting. His truth and faithfulness endures to all generations. If I didn't say it before, you are included in all generations. When we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. He never runs out of faithfulness. 
He did for Israel and he won't for you. You fit inside the all generations. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. And one day Christ will return. That's Micah 2.5. And when the chief shepherd appears, he will receive an unfading crown of glory. He is faithful. And because of this truth, or these truths, then it should spark some feeling in you, right? It says, hey, look, this is who my God is. And because of this, it spurs a praise within me. Feelings matter. They're not all that matter. But they are certainly some portion of the feelings matter. The Christian life is not emotionless. And anyone who says so doesn't understand it. But the emotions are based on truth. And therefore, our foundation exists because of the truth of what God says. And now praise is based off of the truth of who God is. And so because of that, we can enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We give thanks to all we give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you, first Thessalonians five eighteen. And we enter into his courts with praise. We're singing and we're thankful unto him and we bless his name because of the truth of the word of God. We are then feeling full of emotion based off that truth. And then we come in with grateful hearts and we're thankful and we're grateful. And no one has to tell us or we don't need cheerleaders like in a football team to cheer us on. Um, But we come in knowing our God has kept me all week long. And so now I just I'm ready to corporately pour my praise out with everyone else. And give an honor and praise to him, our holy God. And he deserves it. And because of those feelings, because of the truth that is there, that we have these feelings, now this is where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> and the actions to complete the feelings. Our praise reveals who we are thankful for. Make a joyful shout unto the Lord, not to a football team or a soccer team or whatever joyful shout sometimes we do make for other things. Or not because you stump your toe. It's not necessarily a joyful shout, but it's a shout nonetheless. Um, (laughs) But he says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. A joyful noise is never aimless. There's always direction. The direction is going towards the Lord. The phrase make a joyful noise is a verse is a in the verse means the cry of celebration as one would give to a king. Uh, so we're making a joyful noise to our king. It says serve the Lord with gladness. The word serve means to do work. The Greek word serve is abba, A-W-B-A, uh, well, A-B-A-D, and it's pronounced A-W, I-B-A-D, or abad, abad, which means to become a slave. So not just that it's serving, doing good works, but serving, I am a slave to God. I mean, I'm not doing my own will, his will I must do, I'm a servant to him. And we have two ways that we can serve. <laughs> well, one way you should serve, but you have an option. <laughs> you can serve him begrudgingly, or you can serve him with gladness. Now, I would suggest to you that you choose gladness. <laughs> Uh, and my question to you is, how are you serving God? <laughs> Do you see it as a chore or as a joy? 
Thankful hearts serve the Lord with gladness out of response to his goodness. There is a settledness to it. It is not anxious serving, but it's restful. I'm settled in the truth of who God is. It all goes back to that foundation, the truth of who God is. He created me. He's faithful. He's, he's loving kindness endures to all generations. Because I know that, then I, I feel and spur the actions, and the actions are still based off the truth that God is God. He's my God, and it's settled in that, and I'm rested in that. It says, come before his presence with singing. We sing about what we delight in. Do we come into God's presence the same way? Do you, you delight in God? Do you sing about him throughout the week? Not just on Sundays. Uh, not just Sundays coming to church, we put your Christian radio station on, and you may sing a song or two. But throughout the week, <laughs> are you singing to the Lord? Because... He has come, he says, come into his presence with singing. And you want his presence not just here, but everywhere you are, your workplace, your home, in your car, on your way to work, and everywhere in between, you want his presence. And so are you singing to the Lord wherever you are? I am. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Are you singing? Are you singing to the Lord? Does he so delight? Are you so delighted in him? Are you so excited about what he's done in your life? Are you so convinced that the truth of God is greater than the world that you are singing about our God on a daily basis? Are you so convinced that his salvation, that his blood shed for you, cleanses you and covers you, and now your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? If that convinces you and you know that to be true, then you can't help but sing. You can't help but shout hallelujah. You can't help but say, preach it, preacher. That's good word. <laughs> I am convinced. Come hell or high water, his love is not separated from me. And he loves me. Thank you, Jesus. Let me close with uh, C.S. Lewis. He puts it this way in this book, uh, Reflections on the Psalms. I'm going to read this. It says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. <laughs> it is, it is, it's appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he or she is. To come suddenly at a turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then have to keep silent because the people you care for it no more. The, keep, the people with you care for it no more than a tin can in a ditch. <laughs> to hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. The catechism says that the man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we shall know that these are the same things. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. And commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. So with this invitation to enjoy God, I... I admonish you again, and you pray that you will continue to praise him daily.
throughout your day, all day. And I know, I know for a fact that it will change your life. It will change your perspective. And I'm not saying that it would change your situation. (laughs) For your situation may be important to help you change your life. And you may begin to see that situation just as that, as, hey, this is here as a stepping stool to change my life, to spur me to understand the truth about who God is and that my feelings line up with that truth and then my actions line up with those feelings based off that truth. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.